Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk on another so, so beautiful uh, Monday morning here in New York City in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. ZK joining me in the control booth, and uh, pretty soon, uh, Arya Lightson will also be joining me here in the studio once again. And uh, we are sponsored, proud to be sponsored, yet again by Adorama Camera, Adorama.com. More than just a camera store, 18th Street, 5th and 6th, here in Manhattan, or 24-7, maybe 24-6, I don't know, I haven't tried it, at Adorama.com. So you should uh, certainly avail yourselves of all that Adorama has to offer. And uh, we're back with another episode where we're highlighting technology, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, interviewing people who are doing cool things. And I think that that's, uh, you know, searching for a theme, a new show, you want to talk about cool things. And there's a lot of cool things going on out there. I think last week we had a particularly interesting uh, entrepreneurial biography in Will Bronstein, who has founded four companies at this point, all in different areas. And his new one with uh, uh, USA RX discount uh, prescriptions and now, I haven't availed myself yet of that because, uh, thank God, not in the prescription market specifically this week. Although you never know, those things can change. It is, uh, you know, flu season comes about and all the, all the like. So, uh, that can happen. But, uh, the way we are kind of structuring things and kind of looking at things is, you know, we're, we're, we're going to find cool people, cool and cool things and talk about them, bring them to you so you can, also think about them and talk about them. And uh, this uh, this episode is no different. And uh, hopefully we, as usual, are going to try and find an intersection with uh, both the, the Jewish side and with Israel so we can tie everything together. And uh, that's uh, one of the great things, uh, hopefully, about this show, that we can make a little bit of an edge, things a little bit differently. So we're going to you know kick off uh, very, very soon and... Uh, as I said, Ari Lightstone, uh, himself a technology education entrepreneur, uh, joining us as a as a co-host here on this show. Uh, Arye, good morning and welcome uh, welcome into the studio. Good morning, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. So happy Veterans Day to you. To you as well. So Veterans Day doesn't get enough play, ZK. What do you think about that? I don't think it deserves <laughs> doesn't deserve much play. I don't uh, know. Uh, gosh, uh, you know, uh, ZK. I have to tell you, my father's a veteran. My 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 grandfather's both veterans. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a Yankee, and uh, I'll tell you, it's you know, it, it's not enough play. So, I'm not personally insulted. I'm not a veteran myself. I'm just insulted on behalf of them. Okay. But what can I say? You know, you're from Brooklyn. It's a little bit different. Teach yeah, their own. Like, exactly. <laughs> teach their own. Teach their own. Well, there's no shortage, actually, of technology in the military, as we've learned when talking about Israel. So uh, there is a good intersection. Maybe we can – and certainly, I will tell you, the virtual military world, which the world of gaming, uh, the, the most popular games certainly involve uh, certainly involve a lot of shooting. Would that would that be? I think that'd be accurate. We'll put that out there to the to, to put that out there to the committee. But uh, anyway, uh, just to give you a rundown, we're gonna we're gonna welcome in a couple minutes Ken Zwiebel. His uh, company is Fourier, Furrier or Fourier, I think uh, edu.com. And uh, later on in the show, we're gonna be welcoming Zali Honig, who's a company name of company he founded is called Chalkable. So both in the education technology space and uh certainly 
doing uh doing cool things out there with a uh with learning platforms for people to go ahead and you know are you just why is tech why is education in your mind such a such a right place for for technology and for entrepreneurs that to you know to kind of found companies and and make advances on on you know in technology specifically in education well i think if you look at what technology has done to so many industries, be it retail, be it banking, you see one of the last frontiers, and, and you say that until they find the next last frontier, but one of the frontiers that hasn't been affected in a major way yet uh, really is education. It's just starting in that direction. But when you look at a industry similar to healthcare that everybody needs at some point in time, it's fairly clear that education is that as well. And I think what we're going to see is that uh, you can find education, whether you're in kindergarten or whether it's uh, college age or even older, that you can find that uh, that the diversification of technology being offered uh, can really radicalize uh, that in so many different ways. And I, I think it's a it's a place that everybody has some experience. Everybody went to school. Everybody has an idea how they can improve it, how they can make it more accessible, how they can possibly make it you know even more affordable. And that's uh, a frontier that uh, that technology is about to address. So it's about affordability specifically in your mind, or it's about bringing the best education forward. Yes. There's always that tension, right, between things that uh, we, we generally have that correlation or assume that correlation, that something that costs more delivers a better product. On the other hand, uh, technology frequently tells us that's not the, that's not the case, right? We don't, we don't look necessarily for the most expensive uh, model. We actually look for the best model, and sometimes the best models are not always the most expensive. Sure. Well, I mean, if you look at one of the first forays into technology and education, you can look at Khan Academy with hundreds of millions of uh, of hits and viewers and lessons learned. And you can look at these MOOCs, these massive online courses, which uh, both of those are free. Uh, and you can see that uh, that's all about providing top-quality education to as many different people who otherwise wouldn't be able to ex- uh, access it. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting concept that technology is providing. So we have Ken Zwiebel on the line, uh, for CEO of Fourier, Fourier Education. I, I Tell me, Ken, uh, is it the French pronunciation of uh, Fourier? Yeah, it's, it's Fourier. It was actually named after the French mathematician Fourier. Uh, okay, so let me, let me start again. We have Ken Zwiebel, the CEO of Fourier, Fourier Education, on the line, doing some really cool stuff and innovation, particularly around science education. So Ken, welcome to Tech Talk and uh, thanks for coming on and talking to and sharing with the audience what you're doing with your company and how you're revolutionizing the world of science education. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a great honor. So give us the skinny. uh, Give us the rundown. What is uh, Fourier? What are you doing? And uh, how would that be? Why why, Why is that interesting to the world at large? How are you changing the world at large? So, first of all, you did a great introduction for us because Fourier is, in fact, uh, 25 years into the market of uh, doing what's called computerized science laboratories and teaching science in a much more hands-on way where science is taught not only through a book and through learning theory, but also taught through actually doing science and through actually experiencing science and doing activities and then learning about the physical world around us, whether it's physics, chemistry, biology, environmental sciences, uh, through experimentation. And in that, we are naturally tapping into the curiosity and creativity of children all the way from uh, kindergarten all the way up to uh, through 12th grade, and that's what we focus on. But what we're, what we're very excited about is what we're coming out with now, which is a brand-new product and line of products called the Einstein Platform, which includes as its uh, flagship 
the Einstein tablet, which is, just as it sounds, a tablet, but focused around science education with built-in sensors and allows you to do all of these kinds of experiments that I was just talking about, all integrated on one device on one platform. So it has eight built-in sensors. Those are the most commonly used sensors uh, to do some of these experiments. Very interesting. So it's a science lab in a box. Or exactly. in a or, or in a, a tablet. In a tablet, exactly. Well, <laughs> correct. I guess we can't get away from the from the metaphorical box, if you will. Yes. So how would a how would a science teacher incorporate this? Is this for a teacherless classroom? It's for a teacher classroom. It's for somebody doing doing this at home, or it's kind of has the warning: don't do this at home. So first of all, it's definitely not for a teacherless classroom. Uh, in the classroom environment, we're not intending to replace the teacher. The teacher is very, very instrumental and, and, and important in, in any any aspect of learning. By the way, that's also true in, in some of those distance learning things that you were talking about ahead of time. But it also can be used in home applications. It's that simple to use. Um, so it, lo- looking at the different worlds of, of, of how to approach it in the formal education world, again, the, for, the, the world is not uh, yet... 100% adopted into hands-on versions of science. Everyone knows that you have to do some labs and you have to do some experimentation. We believe that that really should be the thrust. And, you know, people talk about things like the flipped classroom and all the, you know, what, whether you want to be learning uh, uh, any, any, any subject through a book and then actually practicing or doing that subject in the classroom, that's what we believe. And so using these kinds of devices, especially the Einstein tablet, allows the teacher to actually get right into the science right there. And we provide not only the Einstein tablet, but we provide the entire solution around that, which includes sensors to allow you to sense and bring in uh, the results from 65 different kinds of things that we measure from pH to UV to light to temperature, and also the, the actual content itself, which are experiments. And those experiments are, of course, taught on the level of the student. So a 12th grade student would be learning one kind of experiment, and a 4th grade student would be learning a different kind of experiment. You know, Ken, one of the buzzwords that's going around is project-based learning, and that sounds a lot what you're advocating for. One of the things that I remember from science growing up is we had an experiment like once every three weeks, and the rest of the time was, you know, sort of, la- uh, you know, follow-up and lectures. Does this mean that there's going to be a lot more experiments, or those experiments are going to be more in-depth? How, how exactly is that envisioned? So, so the answer is both, and there are a lot of buzzwords. So it's project-based or inquiry-based or hands-on. All of those are kind of buzzwords for the same kind of thing that we're talking about. And in, in our world and our goal Everything is inquiry-based, and so you're not actually sitting in a frontal lesson where a teacher is sitting up in front of the class and lecturing, but you're actually, everything that you're doing is an experiment. And, and if I had my druthers and if we could do things, uh, you know, tomorrow overnight uh, 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 the way we'd like to see it done, everything would be inquiry-based. And so the, the experiments become an integral part possibly of every single class. And, you know, we sell globally. We sell to 65 countries around the world. There are places around the world that that's the way it's done. You walk into your science classroom, and that is your science classroom, not your science laboratory classroom. Sorry, I, I just found that that concept incredibly fascinating. You know, you see these. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you see these statistics in terms of ranking the various different countries in terms of their proficiency. Do you think that the way the classroom is set up uh, directly affects the way those, if you will, rankings uh, reveal? And, and sort of as a follow-up to that, which countries have you found the most advanced in this regard? 
So, so first of all, we can tie both of those questions in together because I think they, they both speak to the same thing, and that is the interest in the country to put an emphasis on STEM learning, science, technology, engineering, math, to put an emphasis on STEM learning as, as one of the most important elements of, of the educational process. So, you know, the, the rankings, the PISA rankings that are done uh, uh, every, every few years in science education show that the, there are certain traditional countries that are, that, that, that are at the forefront of science and science learning, especially for these ages. Countries like Finland uh, always come out at, to, uh, at the top. There are certain territories within uh, Far Eastern countries, even within China, for instance, that are out on top all the time. But what I find to be very interesting is not who comes out on top all the time, but actually who are the biggest movers in those test scores. Who are the ones that grow incrementally from three-year to three-year test that's done in the PISA science, uh, science exams? And one of the things that we found very interesting, that the country that had the biggest jump from 2006 PISA scores to the 2009 PISA scores was the same country that actually bought tons of our historical product. They put one... Uh, tablet or one uh, science learning station in the hands of every one of their high school students. Do you guys have any idea which country that might have been? Just as a guess? Let's go for Israel. Finland. So Norway. Finland was already at the top. Okay, Israel, see? Yeah, I, knew, I knew I would win. Falling. The country is Turkey. And it's unbelievable oh, yeah. to that was going to be my third. Actually, have hey. been investing tons in science education. It's not by, not by accident. Ken, that was my third choice, Turkey. <laughs> So, what? Why is it? Because a lack of what? What are they lacking that they're making so much so much away in investment? And what are they trying to be? As well, a, it's, it's not that they're not necessarily that they're lacking. I think that the the use of technology, and this is this is one of the things that we like to talk about a lot, is that the use of technology in the science classroom has a massive impact. And, of course, people are now using technology and ed tech buzzwords for everything from English learning to reading comprehension to math, etc. But in the science classroom, the piece of hardware that you're physically touching and the software around it and the entire package that I was describing before actually has a big, big impact on, on learning. Uh, and so I think that the countries that... And it's not it's not a one to one correlation, right? You can't say I'm going to invest ten million dollars in these kinds of products, and I'm going to I'm going to see a 30, 30 point jump in my test scores. At least that hasn't been proven yet, and we of course are everybody's, invested and in doing studies to prove that. Everybody's looking for that. Everybody's everybody's looking for that magic bullet, obviously. Correct, but I think what it is is it's an orientation to invest in in certain subjects and invest in children. So Turkey has made a, a conscious effort to invest in science, and they see that, and this is something that is proven, that the better, for, there, there are a few things that have been proven. First is the earlier you learn science, the better it is for aptitude in science later. And that's not only about science, that's probably about all subjects. Second thing is the more scientists that you have in the country, the more of an impact it has on your com- country's GNP. And that's one of the things that's uh, a big effort here in the United States is focusing on improving the level of science education because STEM jobs are the jobs that are going to drive forward the country and the GNP of the country moving forward. Right. Well, Ken, I think you can speak to that. Where are you calling from right now? Well, I'm actually in the States right now, but, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned, we're a global country, uh, company, so I'm in every country every week. So we're, we're talking to Ken Zwiebel. Zwiebel? Zwiebel. Zwiebel. Ken Zwiebel, CEO of Fourier Education, based in Israel, but Ken is currently in the stateside. 
And uh, we are here on Tech Talk, sponsored by Adoram Camera. I'm Michael Fragan, and uh, joined here by Arya Lightstone. Uh, so, Ken, so how you you consider yourself a, a hardware company, software company, both? Is it a, a closed system, open system? Give us give us an idea of the technology behind uh, behind the platform, Einstein platform, and the various others. You're running a whole bunch of products right now. Yes. So, of course, we have our legacy products that are already out there, but we are talking about the Einstein platform. So, the Einstein, Einstein is the future. Is, it's, it's actually all of those things and more because we do sell hardware, and so at the heart of our company, we are a hardware company. Uh, but we also sell or include in our package software, and those software packages are the ones that you're able to evaluate and analyze and, and, and create lab reports around the, the, the inputs that you just received from the hardware. But something new that we're doing as part of the Einstein platform and something that we're going to revolutionize the class, classroom is with what, something that we call the Einstein Learning Platform. The Einstein Learning Platform is actually content-driven, but the content is integrated seamlessly with the technology. So you inst- let, let, picture that you're watching some piece of either video or animation. That, that, that piece of multimedia is somehow interactive with you. It's actually responding, not just like the Khan Academy where you're watching something and hopefully learning, but you're actually involved and integrated with doing something. And as part of that lesson plan, you actually do measurements, and it responds to your measurements or your your, as, as it were, your, your laboratory in that box that we were talking about before. And so that part of the Einstein Learning Platform is very revolutionary, and the most revolutionary part is that the content is created through a new platform that we're releasing at the end of this year called the Einstein Activity Maker, which allows anyone to create such activities. And when I mean anyone, it can be a teacher, it can be a publisher, and it can actually even be the student themselves creating those activities and broadcasting them either to their classroom, their school, their district, and all over the world, quite honestly, sharing these kinds of activities completely cross-platform. So very interesting. I you anticipated a question I was going to ask with regard to, is this just classroom-based or is this outside? And, and I think you're saying that it is for, let's say, an enrichment type of setting. Where, how are you pricing this? Is this uh, institutional pricing? Is it individual pricing? Is this a consumer type of product as well as being a uh, a, a mass scale education product? So right now we sell only to institutions, and those institutions are schools of all different levels. That can be from the highest level, the Ministry of Education of a country, for instance, and it can be all the way down to a school itself buying uh, for for schools. In the United States, typical purchasing decisions are made on the district level for all of the schools within the district, and sometimes they focus on particular schools, maybe STEM schools of excellence or or, or things like that. So uh, the pricing is done actually through the hardware side of it, what we sell is the hardware, and the Einstein tablet gets to schools in the United States at under $300. We have a complementary product called the Einstein LabMate, which uh, enables any other device. Let's say you don't want to buy an Einstein tablet, but you want to buy an iPad, or you already have iPads, or you have a PC. So the Einstein LabMate is like kind of a little hub device that turns any of those devices into an Einstein tablet, as it were, and that costs uh, under $200 and also comes integrated with sensors in it. And then the sensors are an incremental fee depending on whether you want to focus on physics, chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. 
You know, my wife just texted in and said, this sounds exactly what we need for Hanukkah for the kids. So, uh, <laughs> you know, not, not, not sure when the consumer option comes out there, but, uh, you know, there's a struggle in Hanukkah's early this year, uh, to find the, uh, you know, the right gift that, uh, that, uh, sort of inspires continued learning. And this, something like this sounds both gripping and, and, uh, enriching, like Michael pointed out. So we definitely have aspirations for that as well. We don't want to be just in the uh, vertical of, of education and in schools. We definitely have aspirations to get out to the, to the larger consumer world as well. Uh, we think that this has very much uh, what, to, what to offer to not only homeschoolers, but also you can imagine a kid where they have the option of having a tablet that will just play the next version of Angry Birds or whatever they can download off the iStore or have a tablet that can do that as well as do this inquiry-based science at home and do kind of downloading of activities and things like that for home use. We're talking to Ken Zwiebel, CEO of Fourier Education, uh, coming out very soon with the Einstein tablet, the Einstein platform, revolutionizing the world of science education. And I'm here with Arya Lightstone, sponsored by Adorama Camera, adorama.com. Tell us a little bit, Ken, about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you become CEO for EA? How long you been there? What were you doing beforehand? So uh, I guess it all starts from, from when I moved to Israel. I moved to Israel in uh, 1992, went straight into the Army uh, right after university, and right after that got my MBA at Hebrew, Uni- at Hebrew University uh, and started right away. In fact, in the middle of my MBA, started right away in the high-tech world of, of Israel and Israeli startups where I started at a multimedia company that very fast turned into one of the largest electronic publishers in the world, a company called, uh, well, at the time it was called Super Studio and morphed into Versaware, uh, and kind of uh, those were the, the learning or the proving grounds of, of, high, of high-tech and high-tech startups and even ed-tech as well back then, uh, and, and got a great, great sense for the Jerusalem high-tech scene uh, back in the day. Uh, that was almost, uh, almost 20 years ago, 15 years ago or so. And throughout the course of my, uh, my uh, entrepreneurial career, I've been involved with more than 25 different startups on all different levels, uh, including running them or being, uh, being uh, a founder or inventor in those companies as well. Uh, and I came across Fourier through a mutual friend of mine who was deeply involved in the company uh, and asked me to take a look at the company and see if I could, uh, if I, if there, if I could help out in any way. And uh, I was drawn to the company from the first minute I saw it because it actually combines a lot of different things that, that interest me and not just the high-tech entrepreneurial spirit that, that is in Fourier, but also that it actually does something very, very important for the world, and that is to change the world of science education. And when I saw that, I saw that it was something that I, I don't want to say that I was born for it, but maybe, in fact, I was born to do something uh, like exactly this company. And so I've been involved with Fourier for about four years and almost three years as, as the CEO of the company. Amazing. So where do you, where do you see, uh, where do you, why do you have uh, Fourier as an Israeli company? Why, why are you in Israel? I mean, let's just, uh, is it R&D? base is it sales base the market there middle east market european market or are you one of those companies looking to be uh primarily selling in america well so fourier of course historically uh, that's just the way it was founded it was founded from uh, a group of people that saw this kind of vision this kind of dream and so it was based in israel uh and 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 by israelis uh the company is a relatively small company we're 45 people of those 45 people uh, about half of them are 
R&D people, from hardware engineers to software engineers to QA to, to, to all, all, all the different functions of, of R&D, and, and that's where, where our base is and that's where our heart is. But more than that is built around it is not only the, the entrepreneurial spirit that, as you very well know, exists in, in high-tech companies in Israel, but we also have the pedagogic side, and the pedagogic side is not to be ignored in a company like Fourier because uh, without the pedagogic side, we would just be another cool gadget. It's very, very important that our gadget is much more than that and actually speaks to the science classroom and, and does the things that we need it to do within the science classroom. And to do it, we're not focusing on one particular market. There is no such thing as saying there's a global science uh, agenda or a global science curriculum. Rather, we have to be able to be all things for everyone. And so people sometimes ask me if we're a curriculum company. We're not a curriculum company. We will fit into any, anyone's curriculum. And the curriculum in Russia is very different than the curriculum in Israel, is very different than the cur curriculum in the United States, but we have to be all things to all of those. Uh, we sell very heavily in markets actually outside of the United States, and one of the things that we are trying to do with the Einstein platform is to get very heavily penetrated into the United States market. We feel that we finally have a great product at a great price uh, and great product offering for the United States market, and we think that we're going to make great inroads in the United States market in the coming year or two. Uh, but continue to sell in all those other traditional markets that we sell in Latin America, Eastern Europe, the Far East, etc. Can you speak for one moment? I'm sorry, Michael. Uh, you know, you mentioned STEM. So thinking back to my, uh, my uh, education days, so I remember science. I don't remember doing anything with technology or engineering. How does Einstein address sort of those two, uh, those two letters of the STEM uh, emphasis? It's actually a very good question, and we have a lot of tie-ins to, to, to things. You know, in engineering, a lot of people start talking about, from the youngest grades, things like robotics. And, uh, and you might, may or may not be familiar with a, a program that was started by Lego called the NXT program, uh, which was to kind of program these little robots to be able to do all different kinds of tasks. And it's a wildly successful program all over the world. So actually, all of our products link in and tie into those as well and so uh you can have a robotics program in the in in uh with, with lego nxt and use an adapter and all of a sudden you're not only programming that little robot to go you know left to right and turn around and pick up something and bring it back but you tell it to go somewhere measure something like for instance measure the temperature of water once it gets to a certain temperature take the take the uh, temperature probe out and come back and report back to me that it re reached that temperature. And it doesn't only have to be temperature, of course. It can be the pH of that liquid solution or, or, or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of tie-in and overlap with those. We're very, very closely aligned even with another Israeli robotics company called uh, RoboGroup doing a lot of work uh, in, in the engineering fields. We actually have things to talk about in math as well because some of the scientific experiments you can actually do mathematics on. So, so there's a lot of tie-in with the entire STEM side of the world. Of course, we focus heavily on the S of STEM, but to have a lot of the a lot of the other pieces as well. What about partnerships going out there? It's a big world to go ahead and tackle science education globally at the same time, and it takes a lot of bandwidth, I guess, on your part to have to go ahead and go and out have those meetings. Where do you where do you see yourself? Who do you see yourself partnering with? With regard to this type of product or channels, so 
So first of all, I should say that one of the reasons why we are able to have so much reach is because of the great team that we have. And I mentioned the engineering side and the R&D, and I mentioned the uh, the pedagogic side. But you know, we wouldn't be anywhere if we weren't with people like our sales force that are out in the market and our account managers that are out there. And we, you know, of course, are, have a global spread on all of those as well. So it's not just myself going out and doing it, but rather all of the, the people. And we do actually have representation here in the United States out of our Chicago office, uh, doing all of the promotion and evangelizing for our products. But we also do have partnerships, and our partnerships are global partnerships with very, very large companies. We have a partnership with HP and with Acer Computers to do these kinds of things that I was mentioning under, uh, under or and or with their products uh, together. And, you know, of course, we offer quite a lot of value to a company like that that wouldn't be able to do a product like this, not because they don't have the technical capabilities, but just because it's not in their focus. Right. It's not their business. Yeah, exactly. It's not their business. But, of right. course, you create a tremendous amount of stickiness for their tablets if they can go into a district and say, okay, this is an offering. You buy our tablets, and you come with Einstein on it. Now, which comes first, though? You, you're, you're saying you sell as a complete solution, right? You're not selling to districts already. It's, it's a secondary thing to go ahead if the districts have tablets already. It's, it's a little tablets. both, and as you can imagine, there are certain districts that, you know, they see the, the word iPad or they see the word Apple just like we are as consumers, and their eyes light up, and that's what they want to buy. And so they don't want to buy an Einstein tablet. So that's why we have another solution, a complete solution that's built around the same Einstein platform that I mentioned before, but instead around a product called the Einstein Lab Mate instead of the Einstein tablet. So uh, a good example of, you know, a district like that would be one of the most high-profile deals done in tablets in, in recent memory, which was the Los Angeles Unified School District that uh, at least uh, signed a, an agreement, although haven't fully implemented it, to buy 650,000 iPads for their district. Once they've already bought iPads, the Einstein tablet is, is already off the, off the table, and we're already into the second product. But so sometimes the there are school districts that do it this way, and sometimes school districts do it a different way. And, they, you know, each school district to their own, and that's why you have to have a complete solution that, that, that answers all the different needs. What, what do you think of, what do you say to districts that are considering going ahead and buying tablets on their own? And, or versus, you know, if they buy an Einstein tablet, then they're, they're, in, that clo- they're in your closed system, right? They're not, they can't, they're not going to be utilizing the tablet for other app- those tablets for other applications. On the other hand, sure. I guess on the flip side, you have, Districts that go ahead, or schools, and I know we, we conflate the districts and schools because this is the U.S. and we're very U.S.-centric, uh, me specifically. I don't want to cast aspersions at anybody else, but you have you have a, a situation where they go ahead and they buy technology. You said, as you correctly, that the superintendent's eyes light up because there's, you know, we can go ahead and buy tablets, and uh, but they don't know what to do with them once they get them into the classroom. Right. So that, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that the, the, there's a lot of red flags and cautions that have to, be, have to be raised before you actually make a purchasing decision. And I think the experience of Los Angeles School District and other school districts is that the tablet that might look good and might look sexy on the shelf might not be all that and might not be everything that you're, you're expecting to buy. And the, the implementations have been v- fraught with disaster from from a content level to a security level where, where kids going around the built-in security within a minute and being able to get out onto the Internet and do whatever kind of surfing they want to do and all those kinds of things. And that, that brings up many, many red flags, not only from a pedagogic point of view, but from just a simple IT point of view. And, I, you know, it, it amazes me uh, the, the size of decision-making that, that happens 
without the, the cautions that need to be put into place and the assurances that need to be put into place. So, first of all, going back to the Einstein tablet, the Einstein tablet is just a regular tablet. For all intents and purposes, anything that you can do with an Android tablet, you can do with an Einstein tablet. It, it runs Android exactly the way you know any other Android tablet would run it. And we have a 7-inch version. Very shortly, we'll have a 10-inch version. And so it can be used as a regular tablet. But because it's our tablet and because it speaks to the education market only, and we don't have aspirations to other kinds of, uh, let's say, pure consumer markets, we actually have the ability to close down the tablet from, for technical speak, from the kernel level, from right down to the, to the installation level, so that we can actually close down the tablet completely so that there is no ability to go out to the, to the web and, and, quite honestly, no ability to install any additional programs if you don't want to. Uh, and if you do want to, then have that ability as well. And so while I, you know, I'm not an IT director of any of those school districts, I can say that you really have to tread cautiously, both on the IT side, but also on the, on the content side, because if you buy a tablet, you need to do something with a tablet. It's not just buying a tablet for a tablet's sake. It's buying a tablet so the kids actually have something to do with it. And that's where if you want to buy a different tablet, you know, you should go and buy a different tablet than the Einstein tablet. But when you look at for content and look for activating that tablet and making it do something very beneficial to your kids, then you go and you buy the Einstein lab mate and buy the sensors and you buy all the experiments to go along with it. And now all of a sudden you have an unbelievable amount of science content uh, available at your fingertips. Yeah, and Ken, that's what I wanted to sort of conclude with. Can you just tell me regarding teachers and the usability of the tablet, how intensive is the professional development? What's the learning curve uh, for a teacher, let's say a 25-year teacher on, on the job, the, the top physics or, or biology teacher in the school, to go ahead and now they want to embrace technology, they want to embrace your tablet, what's the, what's the curve? What, what, do, what do you do to make them be able to continue to succeed and, and even do better? So I'll tell you that my mantra comes actually from the school of thought, which I learned very early on in, in days, it actually comes from Steve Jobs, not from me, which is, uh, and if you read the, you know, the Steve Jobs biography, you'd, you'd know this very, very clearly, which is to make things so simple that you almost don't even need a user manual. Uh, his his uh, original product and his original quote was, insert quarters, kill Klingons. You know, it was literally supposed to be that easy to be able to turn on something and go and, and start working with it. And that's what we aspire to with every single product that we do, especially with the Einstein tablet. You want to be able to just turn it on and start using it. That being said, of course, there are teachers that have never used technology and never used things like a computerized science laboratory in a classroom. And so we have professional training and professional development courses that are led by by teachers that have actually implemented them in their classrooms, champions, if you will, and are able to take you through step-by-step step from beginning uses to advanced uses. And I tell you that it's, it's not more than a couple of hours of, of work, and you already know how to be an advanced user of the Einstein tablet and all of, all of our, all of our uh, experiment books. It's very, very simple, very straightforward, and that's everything that we aspire to. Okay, Ken Zwiebel, CEO of Fourier, Fourier Education. I apologize for that. And uh, just do one last, I got to get one last one in there. What is your biggest challenge today that you would say? I, I think our biggest challenge is, is scale. You know, we have to scale up as a company and get into the eyes and minds of, of people who have been making these tough purchasing decisions of what I would call inferior products for 25 years. And, you know, you know it's, it's very hard to get someone to get out of a buying mode once they're already in a buying mode. And I think that that's why the Einstein tablet is so, so exciting because it actually offers a great new world of possibilities. Fantastic. Fascinating company. I look forward to hearing a lot about it in the very near future. And certainly uh, STEM is a 
critical piece of today's education world. So it seems that you are no less than trying to fully revolutionize the world of science education. Kudos to you and a great company. Hope to hear from you. Ken Zweebel. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Ken. Fantastic. Bye-bye. This is Tech Talk, and we're going to move on to our second guest, who is Zali Honig, uh, CEO of Chalkable. And Chalkable, another ed tech company. There are, as I said, the, the education market, we alluded to it earlier, is, is really ripe for a good dose of technology, and there are so many companies out there doing very interesting and cutting-edge uh, innovations around technology, using technology to make the classroom and the learning experience more effective, and Chalkable is one of those. Welcome, Zali. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, but I should say, um, I'm not the CEO, I'm the COO. Um, I do have to give credit to my uh, co-founder, uh, Mati Levy, who uh, um, has assisted a ton in building Chalkable toward it right now as well. Yeah, it was my, my typo here. The E and the O at this time of the morning look no very, problem. very similar. Okay, please apologize for me. Hopefully, uh, oh, I will. Yeah, especially we talk about education. The fact that I can't read is a little bit challenging. <laughs> so, Zali, tell us about Chalkable. What is Chalkable, and what do you what What are the cool things that you guys are doing out there? Sure. So, um, so Chalkable is an app store for school. Um, and when we say app store for school, you know, you may be thinking iPad apps and things like that, but we're kind of reimagining how content should be delivered in the classroom. So uh, we noticed a really big problem out there in that there were these unbelievable learning tools and content out there. I mean, mind-blowing stuff from Khan Academy to BioDigital Human, just stuff that you see and it just blows you away and says, okay, I want to learn this stuff. Nothing you, like you could do in a textbook before. But the main problem with that was that schools were not using these tools. For the most part, if you look around, yeah, EdTech is heating up, but 90% of schools are still stuck with the same old textbooks. And um, in college, um, my, my partner, Mati, and I, we kind of realized that the content we were learning and the, the best way we were learning was from the digital tools that, were, that we were finding on our own. Um, in addition to that, we also we were using Blackboard to manage it all, and frankly, that was just a terrible experience. So we decided to do some research and see why schools weren't using these tools, and it boiled down to three main reasons. The first being discovery. Teachers just don't know these tools exist and don't have the time to find them. The second problem is payment. So paying for these tools is really difficult. Schools use purchase orders to pay for these, uh, pay for anything really, um, and online credit cards are required. So there's a gap there. And the third problem is the experience. And that was the most important, right? Using this tool, how does it all work? Um, you know, from the username and the password that the kids are always forgetting, does it sync with your gradebook or your student information system? So on that, that, it was a juggling act for any teacher to use multiple tools in the classroom. So we built Chalkable to fix that. And so Chalkable is an app store and a platform. And the app store is a curated list of the world's best educational web apps. We get the, the best of the web and put it right in front of the teacher and show them things that are relevant to them based on who they teach and how they're teaching. Um, and then on the platform side, we um, have a complete learning management system for teachers, students, parents, and administrators to manage their whole education suite. So that includes a feed, gradebook, attendance system, uh, calendar, grade, um, all of that, you know, basic stuff, really easy and all engineered with apps in mind. So you can use these, you know, your day-to-day tools, so to speak, with these third-party apps. So what did you see out there that others weren't doing? Are there not quite a few 
companies doing little pieces of this, if not the whole thing, uh, that are that are that are in these areas. What is it about Chalkable that makes it better or easier or more effective for customers or teachers, administrators, principals, and the like to go ahead or students to use your your system? Sure. So um, I'd have to say that we really build Chalkable up with the apps in mind. And that's a really important point because if you look at all the other systems out there who have either implemented an app store or some type of module system, it's always an afterthought. And it's really clunky the way you look at it. You know, so um, as an example, I, I know Blackboard has a tool for K-12, which is equally as horrible as their college uh, system. But they added on, you know, this module system, and it's just it's just a miserable experience for the teacher. It doesn't work right. It doesn't integrate well. It's, it's a separate thing that, like, opens up everything in iframes. So there are a lot of people who do pieces. You know, there are some people who do a learning management system. There are some people who do you know, just a curated list of apps, but there's really no one who kind of encompasses everything and syncs seamlessly with the school's back-end system, and that's a, a key point. Um, we very much believe in zero setup um, on the teacher side, and also on the admin side, we want to be very limited. So we want to make sure that when you start using Chalkable from the first experience, it's smooth sailing. And going forward, when you enter a grade in Chalkable or an attendance record in Chalkable, it goes right back to your back-end system. You don't have to worry about maintaining, you know, 47 different systems like schools do right now. Right. You have seamless integration over there and, and had a chance to, to you know, uh, play around a little bit on, on your site. It's, it's really beautifully done. Um, but I wanted to go back to, to sort of what you said in the beginning. You had this experience with your co-founder in college. It would strike me that everything you're creating would be excellent for college students. Do you have an application like that for, for students who are looking for these learning tools but their schools don't currently offer them? So um, right now, I mean, Chalkable is mostly focused in, in K-12, mm. um, and uh, we we know college is a way more crowded market, so we decided to approach K-12 a little earlier. Um, but, you know, if, you know, students right now are looking for something, you know, to kind of help with their educational materials, you know, I, I really recommend, you know, Khan Academy, LearnZillion, those type of tools. You, know, you may think it's for K-12, but they're, they're really awesome, and uh, you can learn a lot from them. Involved in the uh, education field, what's been the, the, the sort of the largest learning curve that you've had in starting a company in EdTech? So uh, probably the biggest learning curve is how much bureaucracy there really is. I mean, it's unbelievable. You, you think you speak to a superintendent of a school district and, and they sign off, and you speak to all the board members and they sign off, and everything's going great, and, and there's a contract signed. You think, okay, great, they're going to be our customer. Excellent. Nope, not so fast. Another six months of, of waiting and paperwork, and then someone in the tech department doesn't like you, so they slow you down another three months. So it's just a lot of tiptoeing around, and <clears throat> it's, it's tough because, you know, you're selling something um, to the people who aren't actually going to use it in the most part. You know, it's like selling dog food almost. So um, that's probably been the biggest challenge um, that we've, you know, figured out how to overcome. Are you saying the dogs are not involved in the decision? Making? I'm saying the dogs are not involved in the purchasing decisions. Because I, I think what you have a lot of times is, and I think the parallel is that sometimes you buy the dog food and the dogs don't want to eat it. And so then afterward, you have, it's a, and I think it's, the reason I'm harping on this is not solely to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but actually to say, I think, and we talked about this a little bit before, is that a lot of times people will go out and purchase 
items for teachers and the classroom, and the teachers and the students sniff around it, and they don't like it so much. So they don't use it, or like the dog doesn't eat it. So you have to go back to the drawing board. So you're you're touching on something I think that's very important, that the decision makers or the the users are not necessarily the decision makers and not really at the table. A hundred percent. I mean, teacher buy-in is one of the most important things for any ed tech tool. You know, like you said, if the teachers don't use it and the teachers aren't happy, Oh, it looks like we're having some technical difficulties. That doesn't happen too often on a Monday morning. Thank you, ZK. Jump in there. Zali, you're welcome to call back right away. But uh, I like that dog food analogy. What, what do you what do you think about that? I thought it was an outstanding analogy, and I think it explains a little bit why ed tech has taken so long. Not the technology, but education itself has taken so long to adapt to the technologies that have worked. So, for example, if you see, like in the retail world, it took – you know, one or two great retailers to everybody else figure out that e-commerce is something that was critical in order to survive. But part of the way the education system is divided, you have so many barriers to entry that uh, that has prevented, you know, what would ultimately be a good product being able to get distributed, whether it's Fourier like we just discussed or Chocobles. The teachers might love it, but if they don't have the ability to be involved with the purchasing process, uh, you know, they're sort of educating our kids uh, without all the necessary tools that uh, that they should have access to. It, it was a very interesting concept. I thought it was very insightful. And it looks like we might actually have Zali back. That... Yeah, sorry about that. You know, you call from a landline, you hope for the best. But you know, uh, Look, landlines, landlines are not what they used to be. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so teacher buy-in, extremely important. Um, you know, the first experience, especially from the teachers, you know, you got to make them happy, especially if you have teachers' unions involved. I mean, I've been to school districts where... You know, they tried to implement email addresses for the teachers and, and the, uh, you know, it, they just flipped out. So it's a real balancing act, and you want to make their life easier without adding any more complexity. Um, so as an example to something like that, you know, I spoke about the zero setup part. So we import everything for the teachers. There's no setup to do. Um, and then uh, we give them some tools to make their life easier, like an attendance app. You know, that was the first mobile app we uh, we released. It's on the App Store right now. You can try it out. Um, and it just allows you to take attendance on your phone or your iPad, wherever you are. So it's just a convenient thing. So you don't have to use paper anymore. So, you know, things like that to make the teacher's life easier is extremely important to us. What's the, what's the most innovative app that you've seen out there in the world of education? Um, so the most innovative app, I mean, there's so many, you know, depending on what you're talking about from a school organization level or, you know, a classroom level. But What's the one that gripped you biology. that you said, yeah, if, if you were as a student, you would say this would have changed it? Yeah, I mean, you know, some, so, I mean, there's two things. When you look at, like, super high-level quality content, like History Channel, you know, I, I mean, my, my, my wife is like amazed that I love watching documentaries on the History Channel, but it's so fascinating and I love learning, you know, when it's just high quality content. Um, so that always blows me away. Um, but if you want to talk about just technically what's an amazing tool, um, we have this great app. These guys reached out to us way before we were ready saying, we love what you do. We want to make an app. Um, and they're called BioDigital Human. Um, and these guys actually built this tool for medical students and they have a 3D rendering of every human body part, and I mean every part. And you want to see exactly, you know, what heart palpitations look like. You go in their system, you type it in, you click play, and it shows you an unbelievable animation. It's just mind-blowing stuff. So that's 
probably my favorite app on, um, you know, out there right now. But that's not necessarily suitable for every age group. It is definitely not suitable for every age group. That's that's for sure. <laughs> I, how is so? <clears throat> essentially, what you're bringing to there is this platform that allows a which allows a teacher, or school, district to do all a lot more, open their eyes to a new world of of technology that you're going to provide on a platform, but. Let's talk about the the competition from others out there that are doing very specific, that are selling in a very specific and narrow band, like we talked about before. We were talking to the CEO of Fourier and you know just the, who's who's going specifically. Okay, we sell science, and this is you know science in a box, laboratory in a box, STEM education in a box. Uh, others out there might be saying, okay, we sell literacy tools uh, out there. Is it? Do you have to co-opt all these? All these companies, or you're actually you actually feel competitive with them, but you're I guess a little more open to to a whole uh, smorgasbord of opportunities. So we actually see ourselves as the platform, and we don't we never want to get into the content game ever. We think there are people who do um, amazing work, like you know the companies you just mentioned, and that's all they do, and they're great at it. We're great at making a platform to make using those tools really easy. So if you wanted to use those two products in the same environment, right now it's kind of impossible. On Chalkable, we want to make it a seamless experience so that a school can make those decisions. So, you know, a big part of, you know, on the end of, of, of the call, I, I noticed he was saying, you know, his biggest problem is scale, right, getting out there to, you know, all the schools and things like that. And that's one of the things we want to help schools with, uh, uh, ed tech companies with, you know, Getting out there is really hard. Selling to schools is the biggest problem in ed tech right now. So we want to kind of open the door, um, you know, with Chalkable and sell on the, you know, amazing reporting and real-time attendance and all that great stuff, and then kind of open open the door to the rest of the ed tech world so that they can easily get in there um, and, you know, get their product in front of real teachers and students. And we do that with a prescriptive engine based on what they're teaching. So if the teacher is teaching science and they're teaching these common core standards and the app developer has told us, hey, our app covers these common core standards, we can actually automatically suggest that app to the teacher. So they don't have to even go searching ground. When they go to create their homework, we'll suggest, hey, we noticed you're teaching about, say, isosceles triangles. Here's a great app for that. That's and, very intuitive. You know, we'll That's suggest cool. it and the teacher can buy it right there. You know, a, a lot of our audience is uh, certainly interested in the parochial schools or the, the private schools. I know that the target audience, because of uh, mass numbers, is the districts, etc. Have you had the opportunity to reach out to some of the uh, the private schools, uh, I guess, here in the U.S.? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, to be honest, my, my father-in-law, um, uh, Richie Altavi, he was the principal of Darfei for, you know, 18 years. He's been a huge help to me. I mean... He has such experience and, you know, can tell me all the problems that I'm going to have and how educators think. So he's actually volunteered to pilot in his school um, a couple, you know, a couple of times. So that was great. Um, and we definitely, you know, we wanted to make Chocolate as flexible as possible so it works in private schools or public. Um, you know, the problem is, like you said, private schools are way smaller and, you know, you'd think the bureaucracy is way less, but, uh, you know, it's not. It's It's just as long as of a decision process as it would be in, in public school. So, you know, when you're in a startup and, you know, you're, you're busy all the time, time is your most valuable asset. So you got to make sure that, you know, I, I'm always open to meetings, but, you know, you got to make sure that you spend your time where 
you're going to get the most, you know, return on investment. This is Tech Talk. We're talking with Zali Honeg uh, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, sponsored by Adorama Camera. Michael Fragan here with Arya Lightstone. And we're talking EdTech today, EdTech special, uh, with the C- COO. I got it right the second time. Perfect. Uh, Zali Honig of Chalkable, a app store for the educator. And just give me an idea about the individual teacher. You say the teacher is your customer. The teacher out there is going to use the app or might be an administrator using the app. But how much latitude do these individuals have to make purchasing decisions? And uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's actually something that's really cool about Chalkable that I didn't touch on before. And that's that the purchasing decision is not necessarily made at the district level anymore. It can be made at the teacher level or even the student or parent level. And the way we do this is when you sign up for Chalkable, we actually build in an app budget into the product cost. So there's this pool of money that is waiting to be spent on apps. And the principal can give that money out to teachers, and they have their own budget that they can then use to purchase tools. And this is, you know, state money that they are able to make their own purchasing decisions on apps that are relevant to them. Um, they can always fund it with their own credit card or PayPal, but, um, you know, we wanted to make that really easy because a lot of times a teacher just, you know, ends up spending their own money on these tools because, you know, it's just so difficult to get the right person to approve the purchase. Um, so that's a really powerful uh, part of Chalkwell, that decision-making about which apps, you know, are right for you can be done on the teacher level. So this um, is the... And, of course, there's... Go ahead. This is like the bricks-and-mortar idea of the teacher going out and buying some markers or some crayons for the class, even though the pencil budget has been exhausted. Exactly, exactly. Um, and But uh, it's important to note that any administrator can ban an app. So let's say, you know, that biodigital human app, I don't know, it, it shows human anatomy, and I don't know, you're, you're against that for whatever reason, you can ban an app so that no one in your school can use that. That's fascinating. What... You know, as you were mentioning that these are very uh, useful and helpful tools for the teachers, has there been sort of a rallying cry amongst the teachers even to go perhaps to their unions and say that these are tools that we demand that we use, meaning we don't want to spend our time doing attendance, we don't want to spend our time uh, monitoring some of the various different things that your apps can do? Have you found that type of uh, type of response from the teachers? And if so, what's the what's the net result really turned out to be? I would be a lot happier if I had seen that before. Uh, unfortunately, it's not like that. Um, you know, it, for the most part, you know, in teachers' unions, you know, they're resistant to change. Um, change is scary. You know, a lot of a lot of teachers are, aren't as comfortable with technology as us, you know, digital natives, uh, so to speak. Um, so, you know, it's a fine it's a fine line. You got to kind of show them that hey, this is going to be no harder than what you're doing already, and it's actually going to make your life easier. I really hope and pray that, um, you know, we do get to a point soon enough. So there are some individual teachers that will do that, um, you know, and, and they're very creative. I've seen some extremely creative teachers, you know, use Google Docs to manage their whole classroom. Um, and they kind of, you know, take the bull by the horns and, and just go for it because they know they're not going to implement a whole school system. But for the most part, on, on the teacher union level, haven't really seen that much. You know, it's interesting. Oh. Both. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Michael. No, no. It, uh, this is a free-flowing conversation. <laughs> I, I, I was just wondering how you tackle the bandwidth issue in schools. With the, with that is a, that is a def- or lack of bandwidth, uh, I guess, question. would be the more appropriate question. 
But you know, we, we your uh, tablet base, correct? E- everything runs. I, I, sorry, everything sorry, runs on a ahead. tablet, correct? What was that? Everything is running on a tablet. Uh, so that's actually um, another point about Chalkable. We're platform agnostic, so you can run it on a tablet. Where we have native iPhone and iPad and Android apps coming out soon, um, and we have, uh, and, but the platform is built for web as well. So it works on you know a ten-year-old Dell computer or you know the iPad Air. It doesn't make a difference. It works great on every platform. Um, but in terms of the bandwidth. Um, yeah, that's a big problem in schools, and it, for the most part, it's it's getting much better. I've been in some schools with blazing fast internet. So, um, you know, some schools are really bad, and I I literally can't even get a MiFi to work in the school. Um, some of them are really good. So, I think for the most part, schools are realizing that you know bandwidth is a huge issue, and it's not just it's not just us who's having this problem, but all the teachers, um, you know, because they're all they all have a smart board in the room. So. Luckily, the schools know that they have to kind of get on this before we even get in the building. You know, Michael and I began the conversation this morning uh, trying to articulate that uh, ed tech normally comes at you from one of two directions, uh, increased value or improved quality uh, or perhaps reduced costs. And certainly there, it doesn't sound like you're talking about anything at Chocobles that reduce the costs at a school with the current economic climate. How are you articulating your case or making your case to spend more to improve the quality. Well, I don't know if I would agree with um, you know the not cost saving measure. Um, you know because what's one of the things that we found when we were starting this is um, one of the school districts we were looking at um, had uh, paid for discovery education um, and they paid a hundred thousand dollars to license the physical box that they had to place in their district and then the teachers could access the files digitally. Their other option was to um, like, you know, basically buy the, the DVDs of all the Discovery Channel content. So they paid for that server, and the guy told me he would chase the teachers down the hallways making sure they use that product. Um, and that's a, that's a big problem, right? You just spent 100 k on this system that no one uses. Instead, the idea on Chalkable is, why don't you just buy this Discovery Education app for the teachers that are actually going to use it, and it'll only be 50 bucks a classroom. So I don't think I would agree that, you know, it's not cost-saving. Because you can make these segmented purchases um, and, and buy what's actually relevant to the, you know, to the teachers or to the classroom. Um, You're buying much more intelligently. Exactly. Well, the, well there you the see a difference between government at work versus education at work. And, uh, of course, as when we deal with schools and we deal with public schools, there is that tension between both as to whether – your focus is on the best education or your focus is on a regular bad bureaucracy that inhibits in many cases education. I'll give my own personal commentary here as I, as I do. Uh, so of course that's a challenge because the, the fact that government strictures and all, and all that goes along with government is, uh, doesn't necessarily get you the best product in the end. Right. Yeah. That's, that's very true. The, the best, I found that in education, probably in the last year, the best product almost never wins. Um, and it's, it's really like a... The best product almost never wins? The best product almost never wins. That's um, a money quote because, right there. Yeah, in education at least. You know, because, I, you know, if you ever go to one of these conferences and you kind of just look at the crowds and how they, how they react and how they talk to the vendors, they talk to the guy who has 
you know, taking them out to dinner and they, they went for drinks and, and they're all buddies for the last 10 years and they've been buying their crappy software. But, you know, these innovative, amazing companies, they have no presence. And that's just because, you know, they like the guy, he's a, a nice salesman, you know, been friends for years. That's who wins in education. It's a sad truth, but especially in the smaller districts, you know, that happens a lot. Wow, amazing. So we're going to have to leave that right there because we're going to end with that that money quote, and I'm sure that's a huge challenge for a company like yours and other innovative ed tech companies uh, going out there striving to have that best product and that best technology if it's uh, tough to win in the current environment. I guess that's why charters are so exciting uh, as the last uh, – Okay, fantastic. This is Tech Talk, sponsored by Adorama Camera, Adorama.com on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, JM and the AM.org. I'm Michael Fragan here with REA Lightstone, and thank you, Zali Honig, COO of Chalkable, for joining us on this episode. No problem. Fantastic. Hope to have you back in the very near future. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll be back next Monday with another episode, bringing you what's new and exciting around the technology world.